on the go. Yes. Hello and welcome to Guns Gears podcast with myself Gregory Harrison and Elliot Marius. And our guest today, Elliot Fadar. Unfortunately, Graham Jordan cannot be with us today. He's dead. He's... Oh. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, we'll try and get on with this and just as a threesome. Yes. Uh, so, Elliot Fowler, how's it going? Hello. Yeah, very good. Thank you. And yourself? Welcome to the table. Welcome Thanks. to the table. We've got, you've got booze. We've got John Smith from yep. Elliot today. Well, Elliot Marriott. <laughs> Elliot, this is going to be complicated already, I can tell. <laughs> like, we're suddenly going to get confused. Elliot's got some nice Stella Artoris there. Very fancy. Yeah. And I've got some <laughs> strong de brew, as they say. <laughs> mm, so it's a fancy podcast cider. today. Fancy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got a cold, so apologies to everyone. Ah, oh, it's all right. It'll be fine. <laughs> I start sniffing. Mm. So, else, you're back on. You're back on the rock for a bit. Yep. Uh, going back on Saturday, back to Brighton, but I've been back for a few weeks. Yeah. So um, you've been studying in Brighton, like music. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, in my third year of. Uh, degree in songwriting nice yeah which is interesting so you're originally you're originally from Guernsey born yep. born and bred Indeed. and then when did you start songwriting um, so I started writing when I was about 14 15 and that all just came off the back of playing a bit of guitar mm. and I always wanted to be a guitarist I think from before that I knew I wanted to study music yeah um, what, what got you into music in the first place like take uh, a while back yeah, definitely just family. So my dad has always played. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a bassist, but he plays nice. a bit of acoustic as nice. well. Yeah. Good old bassist. Yeah, it's not his fault. Well, not for the bassists. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, he got me a guitar when I was like seven. And I really started playing when I was about 10, I think. Did you take lessons or did you just go and I learn? did, yeah. I learned with John Byrne to start with. So yeah. I uh, had a bit of a classical start. Nice. Um, and yeah, just sort of moved on, started playing a bit of electric not long after that. Do you think um, that classical helped to start? For sure, yeah. I yeah. think it uh, it did, especially when I first started writing, really influenced my songwriting in the in the way that I play guitar when I wrote. Yeah. Um, but I mean, since then I've come a quite a long way from there and taken a different route with it. I'd yeah, say. yeah. I think so, there's a difference. It's like that classical training is sometimes for for some it, it does give you a really good technique. Yeah, guitar is slightly different. So I'm saying like classical is quite different to jazz, but everything kind of works out. Gives you a discipline and and a way of um, working really. So it helps. Yeah, I think to be honest, I found it really boring. But I'm glad that I started that off. You did that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was never a good, very good classical guitarist. But yeah, I think a lot of local musicians start off with not actually doing any of that and they don't like you know as you say play you play a, a sus minor chord and they go what the fuck's that yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah there's a lot of that like, oh, C yeah. what? <laughs> sorry what yeah isn't it BB um, King or something that was saying to um, Bono from UT it's like oh it's just it's just a C and then a G and, and he just goes I don't play chords I play <laughs> notes how does this sound do, 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 do. <laughs> yes do that <laughs> yeah well there you go yeah I don't even I would, don't even know half the names of the chords I'm playing nowadays to be honest it's all, <laughs> gone, it's all gone out of my head yeah <laughs> but um, yeah now guitar is I would say more of a tool for songwriting since I've been in Brighton and sort of been surrounded by so many really really talented players it's like mm. 
Uh, and it was difficult to get to that point because I think originally when I was writing, I almost wanted to keep it all to myself. But yeah. since having my band, it's been like I can bring something to them and nine times out of ten, they'll make it so much better just by like simple changes or uh, simple things that I wouldn't have thought of. It's quite scary releasing stuff that you've... Because songwriting is quite an intimate thing, isn't it? Yeah. And releasing stuff that you've written to other people and and, and trusting them to actually do it justice and, and do something interesting with yeah. it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm very lucky that I've been able to find the right sort of group of people who, mm. um, who have supported what I've been doing. So it was kind of... It was a weird process because I started well not weird but it was not particularly like I went looking for a band but it was they were all like really keen on what I was doing um and wanted to sort of start working on my music with me in a way yeah that's um, cool. which was really cool and yeah and I can bring stuff to them now as I say and they'll yeah they'll just develop it and help me sort of arrange Find that it. strength with the band when you go from because you're originally would you say originally solo yeah, singer yeah. songwriter? Yeah, yeah, and then you go from that place where you're on your own with the guitar and your vocals to suddenly having the power of the band behind. Yeah, which, for sure, and which, I think it complements it. I think, mm. yeah. So I, uh, when I was so this, the kind of project that we're doing now as a band, in a sense, started as a solo project. Although a lot of those songs have gone out the window, and we, since I've been in the band, <laughs> written more and more, and it's like once it inspires me to write as well because they're there and they're wanting to yeah. like learn new tunes and help me. What's the process? Do you still write as an acoustic artist? So do you write something solo and then adapt it for the band, or do you start writing now for the band in mind? with the different parts is that does that come into it or do you just think this is the song this is the acoustic version we can develop it and change it around yeah and... it's kind of I would say I often will write to be honest I just write so like I think if I write a song I will know whether it's something to bring to the band or not mm. and then if it does feel like something I can bring to the band I'll then play it to them see what they think and sometimes they well they never shoot me down but it's sometimes like it never goes anywhere yeah. and I think that's just because we all kind of yeah they discreetly yeah. look at each other and go yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but sometimes I don't know why he was on this week but yeah some of them I still love and I'll be keeping to myself for a while, mm. but, um, yeah I think I will never I've never been much of a like arranger so I won't uh, I won't write all the parts for them or very rarely anyway yeah. and there are a few guitar parts that my guitarist Andrew plays that I wrote originally but even then he'll develop them to make them yeah, yeah. better so you give them a lot of freedom <laughs> yeah yeah, and I think it, it wouldn't work if I didn't because I, I well probably just comes down to the fact that I don't have enough understanding of yeah of it's interesting some people have that love that mm. um that freedom of sort of this is the song, this is the core, this is my song, and then they just get other people involved and and they they write all the parts. They give them complete freedom, and some people will come in and they're control. It's like that's yeah. the, there's only one way to play it. Yeah, it's the way I it's, wrote it. It's interesting. I, I wonder which one makes better music because uh, like everyone obviously brings their own uh, tastes and their own thoughts and opinions to the table, and you end up with quite an interesting mix of stuff if you let everyone do their own bit. 
Whereas if you're in control of it, you know, when you control a project, you can craft it exactly how you see it and change yeah. everything. Mm. I guess they're two completely different ways of achieving the same thing, but yeah, you know, I think which one makes more interesting to, music to, to do because. I, mean, I remember playing with previous bands where that would be the case of you bring the song same way as you're doing you get two people to the, the other band members they have got freedom to arrange but then you lose they play almost what, the way you want it but not exactly how you had it in your head <laughs> yeah. yeah and then going to the other way around where you've got it exactly the way you want it you get them you manage to get them to play it and then it doesn't sound quite right or it sounds <laughs> oh, yeah. exactly the way you wanted it to yeah. is I suppose you've got to have some freedom to let people have their own, do their own craft as well, so they don't get bored. Otherwise, yeah. you just get session musicians. But mm-hmm. exactly, um, and I, I think from the start, I've never wanted it to be like that. I think I thought if I want, if I'm going to have a band, even though it does have my name on it, which is, I'm coming to feel now is slightly awkward, but it's. It's no, just, you should keep it. Yeah, it's kind of like... Plus 80% of the royalties. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I'm still, I'm still writing all the songs, so I've still got those royalties. Coming. So how do you... Uh, you guys gig in Brighton as well, yeah? Yeah. How do you find gigging over there compared to over here? So, what does the sort of scene feel like? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Brighton scene is... It's awesome, and but it's just such a creative hub Yeah. that you've got so many people wanted to play gigs so it's it's kind of like you get you get to a point in Guernsey I guess where you're you've kind of played everywhere there is to play or you've yeah. done everything there is to do which I wouldn't I wouldn't actually claim that I've done that um, but with Brighton it's kind of like you can there will always be more and more places to play yeah but it's also quite difficult to see that sort of development from being someone who's willing to play for free and play because you can play all the time I like you could play like five gigs a week yeah uh, easily but it's getting to a stage where you're actually getting money for it and yeah mm. breaking getting through from that like uh, yeah playing for free to yeah. being able to ask people for money for your music yeah I guess there's a lot more competition as well, yeah isn't exactly um, you find that really difficult in the UK that harder to ask for money for for shows or yeah because they they've got such demand that they can afford to yeah, it's well, exactly. Yeah, I think it. Um, I will always try and sort of at least get our travel covered or something, or like if they're not gonna, if they're not able to pay us, because promoters will often say straight up, like, yeah. I can't actually pay you, the, the venue isn't giving me any money to sort of pay you, yeah, it tends um, to be. or they're just taking all of the profits, which is fair enough because some of them work really, really hard and do a really good job of getting people down to shows, but um. Yeah, I mean, we've got to a stage now where we play a few gigs and if we're able to get enough people down, a bit of money on the door, then we will make some money. Um, mm. Have you ever come but, across any pay-to-plays or anything? It seems uh, to be dying well, out a little bit, but I've uh, had a couple of emails still on people telling me that it's still around in the UK. Yeah, I've seen Something the I've never seen. In Europe, it's practically unheard of. Yes. And in England, it's sort of almost regular. Yeah. I, I, had, I had someone sign up... Um, I had emails to our band account for a DJ that called themselves Brunt, and uh, he was doing a pay-to-play DJ set under the name of Brunt. And so then suddenly, I don't know how they got hold of our email address, but they were emailing us like how to prepare for the show and what equipment to use. I emailed them back saying, 
we're not paying to play anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell are you? <laughs> Didn't get a response though. But <laughs> yeah, I think there. Yeah, there are dodgy promoters out there who mm. sort of like uh, absent Kelly is a really well-known one. I don't know if you've ever yeah, heard of them. But they'll send you emails and be like, oh, "We really want you to play," and they'll be like, "Oh, we've had a, we." booked all of these artists and had them play yeah um, and then you're sort of like inquire into it and it will be like it's, you're playing the back room yeah <laughs> it's, yeah basically if you do play the show they'll expect you to sell like way more tickets than you'd be able to sell at the stage you're at yeah um, and as yeah and no one will be there yeah that's what I've heard because I've never actually gone for it I've had a lot of people that have it where they um they've had the place players and they have more tickets than they can afford to do and then they turn up and it's the actual room so it's a, it's a brilliant room but you're playing in the very back of that room <laughs> and it's meant that those artists have got more people watching them and you're playing at the very back whilst they're playing and oh, so you end up having nobody yeah, and then yeah. having to pay for to it's help that other right. artists yeah. you know, I think it's very difficult especially in the UK somewhere big like there's there's lots of um, Facebook pages and people that put them up and alert other bands. Uh, there's yeah. a, I don't know if you follow some of those, like Guernsey. Yeah. No, not Guernsey. Um, bands and promoters and friends oh, on yeah. Facebook and things. They they're quite good. There's always someone that comes up where you can check up on an email. And, For sure. Uh, music unions always really good and stuff. So, um, but how have you found? So you moved over two three years ago. Yeah. So when study? was it? Uh... It would have been September 2016 that I moved over. And um, that was to study that was, in the UK and, yeah. and specialised songwriting? Yeah, that was to do this songwriting course at BIM, um, which is like a music college and they have them all over the UK. Could, did you manage to just get into that college or was that something you had to apply for? Uh, yeah, so was, um, I think there are like various ways of applying, but I just went because I was at sixth form just went through the conventional sort of UCAS route of applying yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I, I'd been to a few like similar colleges and been to look around them when I'd been in the UK um, and I think the main thing for me was uh, just the fact that I fell in love with Brighton as a place yeah yeah. so it's just uh, it's a great hub for creativity yeah. yeah yeah and it's well it's just like nowhere else I've been in the UK really it's, a, like, yeah. a, a, it's got like quite big city feel to it but it's also very small yeah does um, that remind you better does it feel a bit more like home then or something? well yeah especially <laughs> being the by the city, sea, you're and by the sea, sea and, and you're kind sea. of exactly and uh yeah and it's just such a friendly place really like um i i mean london's pretty much up it's the road like hour on a train <laughs> so well I, I do try and get up there as much as possible to like see friends or see gigs or play gigs um and when I go there, it's just like everyone's so impersonal and like got their own sort of agenda. Just like so, going back to the the music scene question, like, yeah, do you find that there's um, a stronger community of musicians and stuff in Brighton than there is in say London? Uh, well, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be able to say that because I haven't had enough experience yeah. playing in London. But I would say there's a uh, a really strong community around musicians in Brighton mm. uh, and I've met a lot of people so I sort of um, my way of kind of establishing myself there was through playing open mics and I just go and play like three or four open mics a week or like at one point I was just going to one every night because it's just something to do yeah um, 
and you get a few free beers for doing it sometimes yeah. and stuff like that so that helps happy days <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy days. <laughs> yeah. as a student you get some free beers exactly exposure yeah so i met a lot of people through that and yeah. uh people who had uh who have helped me in other ways as well so there's uh there's a guy that i know called uh, he's another elliot uh elliot yeah and he um he was running an open mic for ages and it was one of my favorite places to go and play because it was just a very intimate space where people would just no one would be talking everyone would listen to you even though it's an open mic and it's kind of like mm. no one knows who you are but everyone would uh, really listen um and i got to know him really well through that and he's just uh, done a music video for us and stuff so cool um yeah it's like i've been able to make a lot of friendships and contacts just through like trying to establish myself on that scene initially that's good which yeah. Is, yeah which just shows how willing everyone is to sort of help each other out and yeah and that sort of thing do you think so, that's yeah. the way like uh, i mean everyone's got ways of getting in and stuff and or in so that like <laughs> trying to trying to create contacts or yeah or or anything it's just it's just by playing and being out there and being on the circuit and yeah stuff. i reckon I, I mean there are loads of different ways but i think it will always be better to be out there having face-to-face conversations with people rather than mm. being like sat in my people bedroom emailing you. everyone and and, yeah. and even though you do have to do a lot of emailing at times <laughs> it's, it's it, you've got to be able to say you've been doing something else and we were just saying this before we started the podcast it's like how much work you have to do at the same time just to get your band oh, yeah. going do you find that oh, with yeah. with the band or do you find that in general like the amount of work you have to do that's not just songwriting so taking the songwriting out of the question or the actual gigging it's like how much work into the promotion and the booking and the emailing and yeah and that face-to-face time or or do you not count any of that face-to-face time as, as work because it's just like or do it when i'm out or do you purposely put yourself out in certain situations to network and- um i don't think i i think that's something i always intend to do is like go out and do some networking and go to gigs and like try and meet these promoters that I want to book me but often I won't often if I'm at a gig I'll just probably keep myself to myself and yeah. just be, be chilling um, it's one of the advantages but, of having a band is yeah. that there's always one in the band if you can if you're good at talking but you've got someone else that's good at opening the conversation yeah, <laughs> yeah <I laughs> it helps you to have that other yeah. person to nudge you on to get you in I think it's difficult for solo artists to go out and might be on their own to yeah, reach those promoters into conversations. For sure, yeah. But if you're a group, then it kind of is less intimidating, maybe. Mm. To yeah, and there are, I mean, there are a couple of guys in my band, especially my drummer, Jake, he's really good at actually, like, meeting people and making friends with people that he meets, like, on a night out or whatever. Yeah. Um, whereas I would say I'm always a bit too awkward to, like, go up and talk to people, but once I am... <laughs> in that conversation I can then sort of you like you can keep it going yeah, yeah. Exactly. the initial interaction yeah it's just the initial like going up to someone and just that's like, cool what do I say it's, it's like, nice to know people's strong points in a band and how they yeah. who's better at doing this and who's better at interacting with this and make sure they're doing all those works <laughs> yeah and who to keep away and who to make sure you drunk keep away from everybody <laughs> I think he's actually a bit of both to be honest <laughs> sometimes they get to start the conversation and you're like just and now, now it's happy to go <laughs> yeah. time yeah. oh, oh free, free beer at the bar yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah no about sort of like working working on all the admin stuff on the side and that I mean we 
it was only sort of at the beginning of well last year now so like I think we only came up with the Elliot Furrow and the Blue Valentines sort of nice. idea Tom um, Waits tribute yeah there we go <laughs> nice yeah that is one of the best albums Tom, well it's everyone's got a famous we played in Bournemouth and the guy um, the sound guy came up and, and the first thing he said is what's your favourite Tom Waits album <laughs> yeah and I was like uh, Blue Valentine's like interesting interesting yeah. <laughs> what his one was and he's like I always ask that question because everyone's got their own it's all yeah. really personal I think that is actually true because I'd probably say Heart Attack and Vine Heart Attack know? and Vine yeah, that so, is brilliant I mean obviously I love Blue Valentine's because Otherwise, it wouldn't be the band name, but uh, yeah. Elliot, favourite Tom Waits? Neither. <laughs> Neither? Neither. None of them. I hate him. Oh, really? really? No, Not ten, a fan? No. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm God. God. I was about to stop <laughs> that. Like, things are getting awkward. <laughs> I think there is something. It's, it's a personal. That was quite right. The way that that album marked you at that time, that means that that's, that's the right. Yeah, yeah. I personally just like Slayer. So. <laughs> Tom Waits, Slayer. Slayer. <laughs> Who knows? They're all the same. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I interrupted you there with the, but, the Tom Waits. Yeah, I think we've only just got to a place where we've acknowledged that we need to start putting in that extra time aside from just mm. meeting up and playing and practicing and mm. playing gigs. If we want to get anywhere, we need to develop it and see progression. We need to be doing all this stuff in the background and. Uh, Working on our like website and our, yeah. you know, our Facebook. Do, do they page talk about that at, at yours on your course? Yeah, uh, to be honest, not really. I mean, yeah, they've touched on it, and uh, I think what has what has uh, motivated me to do that is through um, booking tutorials with uh, tutors at the uni who aren't actually they aren't my teachers and they don't take me for any modules yeah but they're there as sort of like the artist development kind of team. like artisan residence kind of thing yeah so well there's one lady who uh used to do a lot of stuff for radio one mm. and there's another lady who's like a tour booker so i went and spoke to both of them uh and they were like this is what you need to do yeah uh here's a like a bio sheet go and like fill all of this stuff out with your band mm. bring it back to me and we can organize it into something like sort of that will sell you in a professional way and yeah. all of that sort of thing um and it's since doing that that we've realized we need to be putting all this time in um, it, I, I think a good tip is to actually go and talk to people that work in marketing and work in oh yeah design mm. and stuff like that because all of a sudden you realize that like there's not just one way to promote yourself and one way to do things because everyone will ha ha give you tips and techniques on how to do X, Y, and Z. But actually, there's a million ways to promote your band and sure. do things mm. with them. And like, yeah, everyone no like, oh, oh, you should hand out CDs at every festival you go to and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's really good. But then you could also do some crazy ass stunt that yeah, you know, yeah. Push, so you're just giving out your that, CDs for free. Then yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's knowing who to give it to and who not. Yeah. Well, so we saw you at the um, at BBC. Yeah. Introducing yeah, live in London. Really cool event. So I was over in London with Rex. Cool. And Elliot was there as well and turned up. No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, oh, the puns coming. Um, and that was really cool as well. That was such yeah. a cool event because yeah. that's exactly like. I was so surprised that there wasn't more people. Um, I saw we saw Tug Daly from Tug Daly. I can never say his name. 
um, from Jersey, uh, who yeah. was over there at the time as well. Ty, ty, I was meant to see Robert J. Hunter. Ty Daly. Tag Daly. Tyg. 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 Yeah. Tyg. 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 It is Tyg. Right, okay. It is Tyg. I'm just trying to trip you up now. <laughs> You're tripping me, man. You're tripping me. <laughs> um, he was down there and there was, there was a load of other people and it was the exact kind of event where you could just go in and talk to... Uh, there was loads of talks and all the things about music industry, but there's uh, people there that were talking about everything and all the aspects and you could just go in and have a conversation with them and learn about all that stuff. Uh, did you go to anything down there that was of, yeah. of interest or I mean we went to some really cool talks um, but I think the coolest thing about that event was just walking around in the same space as all of these people who like all of these uh, radio presenters and promoters and all of these people that you can make contacts with yeah and then sort of take all of those contacts home and then start, yeah that's start no, following up on those conversations um, so we spent quite a lot of time in like the networking lounge and in that AWOL lounge, which was quite yeah. a cool place because you got free beers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, AWOL lounge was pretty You didn't awesome. tell me about this. <laughs> free beers. There's so amazing things. There's so, it was quite interesting to see. Like, we went into the Centric lounge, which oh, yeah. is like the, um, so it's a mix. It's, uh, they, it's like writes a bit like. PRS kind of thing. Well, similar. There's more right, details. Okay. You should look into all the details. I'm not going to get into details now, but um, it was interesting to see that we were talking about, or how do we, as a band or something, or as musicians, we apply for all these things and we send off all this music, but we just feel like it falls on deaf ears. And there's right. some places where I'm sure it is, but there's a lot as well where they're like, well, we do have teams that go through everything and that listen to everything and who are. And they say there is a lot filtered out. And one of the main things they said is making sure that the quality of your of your music is really high. Mm. Don't just be sending out your demos. And yeah. Don't yeah. just be. Yeah. It's like if you expect to get past anywhere with that with that quality, then it's they're not even going to listen to two seconds. It could be really good. I mean, it might land on someone, but they're not putting it out. Yeah. And another one that we found was. Um, fake it till you make it yeah which true. is often yeah, put around totally. the place where they look we, we showed them record and everything and and they kind of looked at these these records and we saw other people around and we were talking about them and, and they're like, well these these this record the, the artwork's got to be really good and we've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before is the artwork's got to be amazing it's got to stand out it's got to be really professional don't just sort of get your mate to like draw something or draw something drunk on a napkin or like and if they're yeah. gonna do it make sure it's well finished yeah the product is well finished yeah. so it looks kind of diy but that you've got a barcode on there that you've got um the name down the spine yeah. of the cd that you've all these little touches that when someone picks it up they go that you've got your your well, rights you, you written copyright it, rules underneath you want it to look like it's come from a professional from a music shop. house yeah. like yeah. you know it, it, it's it sits alongside all the other products in the shop and anyone could pick it off the shelf and not go well this looks out of place you know you, you want yeah. it to feel like it's, it's, a, it's a real slim. thing yeah and if someone picks that up then automatically the music's going to sound better almost in in their mind because yeah. it's like food you, you 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 kind of eat if it looks amazing yeah it might taste like shit but it's going to taste better <laughs> yeah yeah it's, true. it's yeah. um i found that was really interesting it's that fake it till you make it and i think we often get it too invested in just the music side 
and forget that it's it's a whole package. If you if that's where you want to go, I mean, if you yeah. if you want to just record a record and, and put down like demos are great, and yeah. if you want to just do that and put it out there and play local pubs or yeah, whatever you want to do, that then gig, that's fine, do that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's if you're in this situation where you're at the moment or or other people where they're trying to push it, then um, I think it's that that extra you gotta gotta try and so it's that extra bit of work that you've got to do yeah. it's that extra marketing just, that extra yeah, thing yeah. that you thought I just was going to play some gigs and play some music <laughs> yeah. and now I've got all this other shit to do with yeah you, you kind of have to suddenly take on loads of different um, job roles that you never yeah. thought were, yeah. was involved in and you're music. not rich or famous enough to get anyone else <laughs> to do it for you so yeah. you've got to do it yourself yeah. yeah there's a lot of self-funding things as well for sure but I think uh, the more time and even sometimes if it's spent wisely your money that you put into a project you will see like you will see benefits come from it yeah which is a mm. good thing but also 100% just making yourself look like you're already famous in a way sort of like <laughs> yeah because people that's what people want they don't just yeah. want uh it's fine having like a good song or whatever but unless you can bring that full package and even i guess uh the way that you look when you're on stage as well and that's yeah. important yeah, totally and, i can uh, quote sir richie powers for it because well, i spoke <laughs> to him and said oh it's really easy when you're with a band because people recognize you that you're with a band but when i was touring solo you'd end up playing at the beginning of the day and then you have all of the rest of the day to walk around the place and if you turn up to a gig on your own as a solo artist you're on your own unless suddenly you land upon some cool people or something and he turned around and said that's why you got to look fucking rock and roll yeah yeah well because <laughs> they'll turn around once and go i want to know that man yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why the cro- that's why the crow man is such a local rock star because he turns up to every great gig dressed in ridiculous clothing yeah and everyone knows I know the he's an a, artist. That's the like, oh, he but must be. He wanders, he's on he wanders stage. around a festival site in his like his getup, and everyone knows who the fuck he is. Like, For no. sure. And it's and actually it. Richie that said that to me when we were at BBC. <laughs> yeah, he was like, <laughs> "You've got to look like you're a rock star when you're when you're walking around this place. Otherwise, you know, I, I was just there in like my uh, in my hoodie and my jeans or whatever. But like, if you're going to places like that, and I don't think about it, like when I'm playing a gig, I'll think, yeah, I'm going to dress up for this. Mm, but yeah. just almost in everyday life, if you're wanting to come across that way, you've got to. You've got if to you want to look, say, yeah, you've, you've got, got to look, look like you've got something to sell. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, well, it's a difficult weird thing. because I, I don't. I mean, I've, there's periods that change, but you also just want to be like, yeah, but just listen to my music. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I really exactly. Out. It's like. That often the excuse or, or the counterback but, to you just got to look fucking rock and roll. It says, oh, I don't need to dress rock and roll because I can fucking play. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Is you, you are you are the product as well. As much as as much as your music is the product, they're buying into you and and who mm. you are, and you know it's that's the whole fame part. And of there it. is so many people out there who are doing amazing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult. How Standing do you think the, the rest? So you've been studying writing. Yeah. How how has your writing developed? Like, have you have you changed the way you write, or have you just got better, or have you <laughs> uh, have you got worse? Yeah, amazing. Has <laughs> um, has is, is there been like techniques or ways to push through? Can you can you say anything to anyone out there who is a writer as well, like that you've learned what you've learned or any techniques or? Yeah, it's a it's kind of a weird thing because. I think the first year of my course was the bit where that I was getting all of this sort of 
uh, inspiration or like ideas about songwriting. So I'd have uh, I'd have modules um, on like songwriting techniques, and then I'd have another module where we'd uh, look at what like look at the great albums, sort of like Dark Side of the Moon and stuff like that, and look at what they did and how they went about it. To, to make it such a great album. That's cool. Mm. Um, but what I really found is that every tutor will tell you something different. Yeah, of course. Which is yeah, a weird yeah. thing. So like, I had one tutor telling me, you've got to write lyrics first, and then someone else would be like, just write it all at the same time. And I think the thing is, there's not really... The, it's the difficult thing about teaching songwriting, because there's not a set way of going about anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been incredible in terms of uh sort of soaking up all of that inspiration and then taking it home and even trying different things and when i first got to uni i uh i would always just write a song so i'd sit down and i'd write and i'd probably just play a bit of guitar uh and then write the lyrics once i'd found something i liked whereas now i'll often I think it's changed the way that I think about my lyrics for sure. Mm-hmm. So I will, I'll be in situations. And I think, oh, that's what they're talking about, or like eavesdropping on something, and I think that what they're talking about is really interesting. And even just note down like a line or like the subject of what some people are discussing in a bar or whatever, mm. um, and then go home and like write lyrics on that's my phone. Cool. Yeah. So it's definitely changed the way, that, and I don't know how, but it has changed the way that I think about that. Um, you're constantly searching for yeah, something. Like yeah, yeah. Has, has there been like one bit of advice or one bit of like information that you've you've got from that course that you've like has changed the way that you thought about writing? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't be able to tell you if there was. Yeah. Um, I think any sort of like development or change to my writing has almost come subconsciously. It's sort yeah. of like I've been surrounded by all of this stuff that's going on. I think being surrounded um, by creative people yeah, it has, a, has a big influence on what and you someone do. Someone said to me, they did a similar songwriting course mm. and they, at the end of it, they came out and they said, I asked the same question, uh, is there any advice or yeah. something that you could, you could give? And one of the things they said is, it wasn't about necessary learning from somebody else it was being in the situation where i was forced to write oh yeah and that i had to write and that i wasn't um sitting at home going oh i'll write something later or i've got to get you having that deadline you've got to write something for deadline you you've got to um you've got to create something and you and you're you're talking about and you're spending that time to write rather than being at home and going oh, it hasn't quite come, I'm going to go nip down the pub or I'm yeah. going to go and do something else. It's having, it's it's a lot of work. I think even Elvis Costello was saying it on a Freakonomics podcast, which is <laughs> almost as big as... As Guns Gigs, yeah. <laughs> um, he says, um, like, he, he'll do the similar thing where he'll write a phrase or something. Uh, a friend of mine, Paul McCure, said that as well when I was younger. He's like, just keep a notebook on your all times and write a phrase yeah. and write the date and just keep that idea and some of those songs will come four years later, you'll pick it up and go, oh yeah, that, and it will just fit right to that inspiration sure. at that right time and that's yeah. where it will come out. And, yeah. But it's, it's, it's put into percentage, so you, 
you get the initial idea, which is only like 50% of the song, and then you have to work on it. And then the last 20% is the one that takes you two years because <laughs> you've actually yeah. got to put the effort to make it and refine it. Or, yeah. or maybe you don't refine it. Some people just like to. Do you think you work on the song numerous times and edit it? Or do you just like that um, that final raw product? Yeah. Or is that something that you're still experimenting well, with? Well, I, yeah, I would say probably still experimenting, but actually coming back to that piece of advice, maybe what I would say is that just write everything, like just always be on your notes or have a notebook on you mm. and anything mm. that comes into your head or, or you experience that you think could become a song one day or something you think is quite interesting, an interesting subject, or something weird that someone said, just always making note of that. And even if it just stays in your notes for a year and then one day you sort of scrolling through and you find it again, you're like, oh, wow. Forgot about that. And that's could really be more cool. cool if you had an addictophone at all times. <laughs> that would be sick, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe that's your thing. I'd, I'd like probably look a bit weird, though. That guy's an artist or a paedophile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wander around with a little microphone go, whispering mm, to yourself oh. <laughs> like picking up on other people's conversation yeah. yeah but I think it is really important to never sort of uh, disregard those ideas that you have or the, those moments of maybe like maybe this could become something because mm. it's often and even if I because I will always look back at what I've written down so some nights I'll like write like pages and pages of lyrics in my phone and then I'll go back to it and be like this is all absolute <laughs> shit I'm not like none of this is going to be used but then there are times that I'll write like even just like one line and then I'll get to a place where I'm like I'm going to sit down and write a song now and I'll I'll find that and it will become a whole tune and something that yeah. like, really works well and you write it on your phone you write it on paper you I write it on my phone and I I really want to be the kind of person that writes it on paper <laughs> Um, That's just a nostalgia thing. Yeah, I think, I think people so. just yeah. people and, just and like that, the idea of it, but, but actually, like I've seen the, the, the best tool thing. is the one you have in your hand, and your phone is always yeah. in your hand. The right? phone is amazing. Mm. I think there's a type typewriter is really nice, and mm. um, it's not because it's like oh, and you feel well, you kind of do feel like you're so romantic writer but it's also sure. I think Ryan Adams always writes on on typewriter and I, I call bullshit on that there's no way it's it's there's a no sense way. of mm. <laughs> I I think it's because it takes you away it's, like, it's coming back to the idea of you can't get distracted on a typewriter yeah, you can't you be me writing carries, away and then go carries a typewriter oh, someone sent me a message and you say he, he carries his typewriter with him everywhere. No, he writes. And at like home. whenever yeah. he gets a brain spark. No, no, he, if you've got a brain spark, right, I think exactly. when you're sitting down and trying yeah. to like work on your music yeah. and like that's write a slightly song. different though. Like having a little notebook that you can carry around or your oh, phone. Oh yeah, you should have your notebook or your like, phone. I'm thinking if you're really like sitting down and working mm. on a song. I've done it on the computer. Um uh, I you sort of go to it all the time and I feel that whenever I do it on the computer that I but two verses in, I'm distracted by <laughs> yeah puppies, a monkey on a pig. <laughs> oh, <laughs> something's gonna happen that's gonna distract Game me. Whereas if you're writing on paper or if you're uh, on a typewriter or you're on some kind of anything that doesn't have those distractions, then it helps concentrate to be able to go right. No, I need to finish this. Yeah, and I need to finish this song. And I think that often there's a lot of songs that get left where it's too easy to go. 
oh, I'll finish that later, or yeah. I'm not quite inspired for it, when I'm actually just not it's pushing through. a question of pushing through it. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're writing without a deadline. Um, yeah. I know, Elliot, you've got like a lot of creative work, but you've got a deadline. Yeah, definitely. So you've got to get it finished by that day. Mm. And I think genuinely you you sort of work in that process where you just finish things. I mean, uh, even with my non-musical uh, stuff, like with just, just regular... Um, creative stuff that I do I give myself pretend deadlines just to get it done mm. my pretend deadline is before the next thing comes up basically because yeah. if I don't move on to the next thing and focus you on won't. I won't finish the first thing so I always sure. just give myself de- pretend Whereas deadlines I will for, give myself a deadline and it do really well happen. for two days <laughs> then come out have a couple of brews and that deadline gets extended about yeah. two hours into the pub uh, yeah. by about three weeks <laughs> yeah it is weird though, um, doing something creative to a deadline. Yeah. And I think I often, I don't, even though I am doing this course and I do have to work to a deadline sometimes, I will never try and force that creativity. If I'm sitting down and it's not working, I don't, I'm not one of those people that will persevere with it. Mm. I will I will sometimes go back to it if I think I started off with a good idea, but um, yeah, I think... I find it really difficult to force that creativity and when I have done it hasn't been something that I'm happy with. I, th- I think it's, it's one of those things, uh, well for me, it's, it's like a muscle that you have to flex, you have to yeah. do it quite often and then you just get into the habit of it and you can just turn it on and off. Yeah, and I have been told that a lot of yeah. times that it's... Uh, it is like a muscle. It's sort yeah. of like it, once you exercise it more and more, it just it exactly. becomes something. Exactly. I mean, can... when something when something gets difficult and you're getting frustrated with it, obviously you're not going to get anywhere if you just keep bashing your head against sure. the wall. You need to go away, make a cup of tea, and come back to it. Yeah. But it is something that you can persevere through if you yeah. just if you just take the time just to give yourself mm. a little break, come back to it, and then just keep going. No, I suppose there's a certain amount of of. I mean, you live in Brighton. There's loads of shit to do. If you want to have inspiration, mm. you've oh. just got to walk out your front door. Yeah, it's And you've got to have that time as well to sort of enjoy do both. that do both. life to kind of, I don't know if you immerse yourself into things or or if you write like that. There's someone, other people do it as well. I might, from time <laughs> to time, indulge in immersing yourself into the song so much that you kind of, you try and be that character of the song. You try and yeah. be that person because a lot of song is songwriting is personal, and I uh, do you might wrong songs that are really personal, but a lot of it's fantasy as well, and it's yeah, making sure. up that world, and it's and it's creating these personas, and depending where it comes from, it, it it's creating something that relates to other people, but it might not be your exact life because there's only a certain amount of things you can do or certain <laughs> ways yeah. you can feel, number of experiences it's you can have, giving to other people and. Sometimes immersing yourself in that situation can be a, a dark but interesting, interesting route. Do you, yeah. do you ever sort of push yourself to a limit, or do you indulge, or do you just write personal things that just appeal to you? Or yeah, I think it's a, it it does always come from a personal place, whether it's an experience or an opinion that I've had on a situation, or a, or just something I've I've gone through. Um, but I would say that. I often come across in my writing and in my performing uh, probably a much darker and like... Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, probably a much darker <laughs> person than I actually am. Yeah, so, so I think 
that's been another thing with uh, what I've been doing because I've been told by a lot of people when I've been on stage, I'm sort of like uh, singing all about all this like dark stuff and like being this sort of, I don't know, a bit scary, a bit kind of creepy guy. Um, and then I'll, in between songs, just be like, oh, thank you. And I've, <laughs> and I've had to come away from that because it just doesn't... It doesn't It doesn't. Fit. Yeah, it doesn't all come together as sort yeah. of one experience. Yeah. And I think when someone comes to a show, they want to be completely sort of encapsulated by what they're watching. Yeah. Even when you're not playing music, you've still got to be that person. Or could you, you could go for t- two extremes, complete extremes, mm. where you go from like, <laughs> I know exactly where you're going no, from now. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly I've that feeling. It, I've and especially because I think some of our stuff is quite similar in, mm. in the solo stuff, and there's yeah. that dark. So I'm uh, playing with a band called Dust, and we used to do the same thing where we have really dark, intense love songs and be really tight. It's really, really sort of filled, and everyone's like, oh, I love it. Oh. And then as soon as we stop, we start arguing on stage <laughs> and insulting each other and being really rude and really sort of... And people loved it. And they yeah, started digging cool. that. They loved the idea that you can go from sort of one extreme to the other. But it was developing that idea of it. It's got to go to the extreme. Like, we can't just, like, go, oh, yeah, all right. Uh, oh, oh, don't do that kind of thing. You've got to sort of full-on yeah. be really aggressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Just sort of really take the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And they go from this thing of this, like, beautiful love song. But it's it, but like it's, John Martin but that, but that's still yeah. a, a persona, though, isn't it? It's still a personality that you've crafted it is a bit, sure. on stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's still interesting for people to be watching. It's exactly. just exaggerating exactly. That's exactly persona, what it is. Yeah. It has to be interesting. It's wearing yeah. that big mask as they do in sort of in the theatre where they wore huge masks to emphasise because no one could see you from far away because when you're on stage and it's always that you've got to you've got to play more on stage than you would do off the stage otherwise people won't hear or or notice yeah for sure or understand it yeah I'm uh, massively into Nick Cave so so watching Nick Cave and like even everything that anyone knows about Nick Cave it all fits in with the stuff that he writes about and like the sort of like dark and sort of weird guy that he is um and like and when someone goes to a Nick Cave show it's like they they aren't just there to see the music it's like this whole performance and this whole like show that you're going to watch and even when there's a break in between the music he's still doing all this like weird and dark stuff he's still he's still keeping the whole show exactly the, yeah, yeah. so it's, even though, even though he's not playing the song he's still in that personality and exactly and i think that's really important to try and uh try and like have that in in your live performance which yeah is, yeah so yeah. you guys have um recorded some stuff as well haven't yeah. you how did you find that process going from like playing live stuff to recording it it's quite yeah sort of, like different isn't so it? so it's been it's been really cool actually because in the past we've um well when i've recorded on my own it's always been the sort of quite conventional route of uh, multi-tracking everything and like yeah. doing it that way um but since i've been in brighton i managed to find uh a producer called Simon Janes, who right. um, actually I I was living on a road last year in Hove called Farm Road, and his studio is on that road. Oh, cool! Um, so uh, my bassist said, "Oh, my old band were recorded with this guy, and he loves his Tom Waits, he loves his Nick Cave, cool. he loves all that kind of stuff." And I was like, "Well, 
I'm going to meet him. So <laughs> I, I gave him a message um, and went down to his studio one night and just uh, took my guitar and played him a few tunes. And he was like, yeah, I think we could do something with this. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, went uh, booked a couple of days to go in with the band. Um, and we recorded... Initially, this was in March um, last year. So we recorded two tracks then and we spent a day um, doing live recording. So they were in one room um, and I was in the other room uh, and they we could all hear each other yeah. through our headphones and I was uh, we just like play through the songs. Um, and so, and so and that the whole thing was recorded live? Well, so Ish. the next day I then went back and did my acoustic guitar parts and my vocals. Yeah. So... Um, what's really good about it is uh, we we were able to like get that live feel that we yeah, have, yeah. and I think that's where our music works best. Yeah. Um, but then I was also able to then listen back to that and do my vocals and refine it. Yeah. What Simon's really good at is just telling me straight, like you need to go softer here. You need to go. Yeah. You need to. So, fully so he go did some growl. So, so he did know. some production and helped you sort of like develop the yeah, sound a bit for sure. So um, like the songs don't sound how you thought. Well, they they sound like you've uh, not how you wrote them, but how you sort of recorded them is like a di- slightly different. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, but the best thing about it is. I think we've maintained that sort of energy that mm. we feel yeah. we have live, but also and you being can able to have a well much. produced sound as well. Yeah. Did you play with a click or did you be able to move with it? Because you're so, recording live, you could. So we've never recorded with a click. Yeah, um, that's cool. It, earlier in December, we were we did another track. Um, we just did one this time, and um, it was weird because I think we were we went into it with too much sort of. Uh, optimism in mm. a way because the first time we recorded um we recorded a tune called i'm in love again which is um which yeah people really enjoyed and um, but the we used the first take that we did with that and yeah. it's like we went in there played it and we were like yeah that's the one that's fine <laughs> um and i think because that happened the first time we recorded we thought this was going to be the same <laughs> yeah. this right. time yeah. no. it really wasn't we were it's getting not. so stressed so yeah. we went from like we went in it's and we recorded uh, we did like four or five takes and we were like this isn't working we're speeding up too much it, it sounds crap let's do it to a click and see how it goes yeah. so we started doing it to a click we did like three or four times to a click and we were like no this isn't working let's go back to and it was Simon that actually said like guys just don't do it with a click it doesn't yeah. have the same feel mm. um, I, I think recording to a click is just um, just pandering to sound engineers to be honest yeah. like, I think I think I, they I think like, everyone wants to like multi-track now I think people forget that they don't have to multi-track yeah. there is ways of recording some of the best records have been recorded without yeah, the some of the best records were done live like without mm. any sort of and we've got to the point about where we're with, refining and yeah. some things I think are really nice to record multi-track I think and a lot of things don't have to be perfect well like that but there's something raw and nice yeah. about laying it down and as a full band all together and to be fair you should be able to play it in time (laughs) yeah you know you shouldn't be playing fucking live shows yeah yeah, exactly exactly like if you can't hit it right then for for me it might wave a bit or or whatever and it might be a bit more difficult but if you can't do that then and you've got to multi-track everything i that's that it's like the overdeveloped album sometimes where you see someone and uh it was 
it's interesting to do and it's fun to do but yeah for, for me is there something about the chemistry of the people in the bands playing together that really sort of brings it to life and as soon as you separate everyone put them in their, a separate room and get them just to sit there and play along to a, a click it's just it just takes out all that it chemistry and all that, that yeah. like, tension and the push and the pull and the feel a lot of and the, the groove the, is the, lost. Yeah, it's, there's sure. just like that connection and energy and then the little glances that go on in like in music mm. and stuff like that. The little glances, yeah, the, the, yeah, 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 exactly. And it, like <laughs> all, all those little things that sort of like bring that band to life, and uh, you just lose that all when you just you record there and go. You just playing that along to whatever is clicking in the background yeah. I think that just you just lose something there for sure and I think that that's the beauty of uh, finding the right producer mm. and I feel we have mm. because he understands that uh, to to get the feel of our music and to have that sort of uh, drama to it is is by recording that way and he yeah, understands exactly, that and he's yeah. actually the one that when we said, oh, can we try it to a click? He's the one that encouraged us not to do that. That's good, yeah. Which is a really cool thing, so, yeah. It makes his right. life a pain in the ass, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> he's it good enough record it, better, yeah. it doesn't matter. If you've um, got someone good enough. Yeah. I yeah. found that the people that managed to do that are the uh, the guys that done, did a lot of live mm. before mm. and then went into yeah. recording in studio yeah. rather than the other way around. Yeah. Or just studio some guys are just amazing in the studio but that's all they do and then you get the guys that go from live to open up small studios and sort of develop their shooting that's what they like to do yeah mm. it's quite interesting to see the different it's like it's like the way of writing or anything everyone's got their own way there's no rule yeah yeah or the way of advertising your band there is no rules. there's no one way of doing anything there's, there's a million ways to achieve the same thing yeah so um do you feel like um from recording stuff that you've like when you listen back to it you feel like um you've progressed from that point or do you feel like you played the songs enough to be like this is how the songs are that's it it's locked in where the songs aren't changing yeah um i'm well i feel like um without wanting to sound sound big-headed uh the tune that we've just recorded i feel like has been our best piece of work yeah and that well, good. Could ju- that could just be because of the progression of the band because well, I think you should always feel like that otherwise you're not yeah. developing yeah you? of course I mean if we wouldn't we probably wouldn't have confidence in releasing it yeah exactly exactly we felt that way um but I I don't know if that's come from sort of like uh just because the band's progressed or because uh or because we weren't, I don't know. Yeah. Because when we when we recorded our first tunes, it was literally like uh, two months after we actually started playing together. Mm. So we knew we wanted to record them, and um, we're still happy with the recordings. Yeah. Um, and I would say the songs that we recorded, it's weird when you record because I think uh, you you work on that arrangement and you sort of like really look into it a lot and see yeah. how you can make things as interesting as possible and where you can like create that space because I think that's a really important thing as well. Yeah. Um, but once I found once we've recorded that's sort of where the tune is and it stays like that and it I don't know if like it will always be like that but yeah. that's what it's been like so far so because it's recorded and because we've listened to it so many yeah. times we'll always hear it, it like that we'll back always to that one now point play in it time. like that. Yeah. So um so yeah, well, we'll see what happens, but it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, we we've got a thing with uh, with our band that like we kind of gig 
the songs for quite a long time before we actually record them because yeah. like just by playing them they kind of evolve and they for move sure. and they change and then as soon as you record them they kind of get locked at that point yeah. and like especially with our stuff because it's instrumental there's no yeah. there, there's, and because it lasts like 20 minutes per yeah. song <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like you, you, you've got to like feel like the song has like its own personality and you got to mature it a bit before you actually like for sure um lock it down otherwise you, you you end up writing something and then you record it straight away which we've done before and then you listen back to it and it's like oh it's that you could technically make that better by doing this and we play yeah. it slightly different now and you know exactly so. yeah I've definitely found that the the place of the tune is at first when you first bring it to the band yeah it won't it ever won't ever sound the same way. yeah um yeah, someone will just play something, uh, even if it's a mistake or even if it's like something they want to try out at practice yeah. or at a gig, and yeah, and once that happens, you sort of uh, you're like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, and exactly. That. Good mistakes. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it's cool, and it's really cool to uh, like see songs progress that way, and mm. then get to a place where you're like, oh, I never knew it could sound like this interesting or this this good. I mean, we we've done that in, in recording as well in our first album. Um, my brother, the, our drummer, turned up, yeah. just hungover as fuck, and uh, um, he he made a massive like blunder in one of the drum fills or something like that, and then forever we've like all had to play the mistake because <laughs> we've all got no, it in our heads. So we, yeah, like yeah. every time when it comes to that bit, we automatically do the fuck up, but like we all do it on purpose now because it's kind of like well we've got to play it like the record. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. I like that. Mm. Yeah. What's well, been interesting without Graham because we we got deeply nerdy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got into all the depths of yeah, it keeps it very surface level and like you know and Graham could have lit the... this up with yeah. some more jokes but yeah. we suddenly got into the depths and the realms of nerds. songwriting yeah. and, and yeah, but that's good that's good that's what we want that's what it's all about yeah, yeah. anyway we're gonna we're gonna have to close this one down because uh, some people are gonna go eat some some food yeah got some sausage rolls in the go big Chinese big Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. yes lovely lovely lovely, lovely. lovely. We've, All right. we've got some chocolate rolls away then. So, uh, yeah. Can I talk to you? Yeah, it's really fun.